0: Ye servants of God, your master proclaim, And publish
1: abroad his wonderful name, The name all victorious of
0: Jesus extol. His kingdom is glorious, he rules over, That's what
1: Hello and welcome to Tea Time Theology. I'm your host Mariah Oconde, and today's guest is Faith Basset. Welcome Faith. Hi. (laughs) So before we get started I was wondering if you had a quote or mantra that you live
0: your life by. Sure um so it is a part of a piece of scripture um and I don't know the exact uh, place that it's from, but it's You Are My Beloved, which um, was the summer theme for here at camp at the Episcopal Conference Center in 2015. And we ended up writing a song for our music camp um, kind of big bash at the end of the week. And it was just a really like pivotal moment in my life and in my like experience of what being in a community with other people who are experiencing like God in that moment. Um, and it was really, really special. And I actually have it tattooed on me, um, because it's, cool. to me. Um, <laughs> but it's just a good reminder to me, um, that I am beloved and by the people around me and by God and by, by knowing that I can also extend that to other people that they are also beloved.
1: That, Is so beautiful. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. Um, So, Faith, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, who you
0: are, what do you do? Sure, I can do my best. Um, (laughs) So, I am 24 and I work at the Episcopal Conference Center, which is a branch off of the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island. Um, We're a summer camp and we run programming on weekends. Well, we used to before what we're experiencing now happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, I've been coming here since I was 15. um, And so it's been a really big part of my life and a part of my, you know, day to day activities. Most include people that I've met here. um, And it's a it's a very big pillar of my life. Uh, um, I'm super into music. Uh, I love to sing. I Get to do a lot of that here at camp and through the church services that we hold here um i am a really creative person i like to do art and do do-it-yourself projects that's one of my uh my friends would say that's like one of the things that <laughs> is my thing i guess uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's really all i have <laughs> that's great um <laughs> No, that's
1: amazing. And so in our first season of Tea Time Theology, we did have the, I guess, camp director, the Reverend Canon Megan Brower. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, and so you work with her at the Episcopal Conference Center, mm-hmm. and you're a camp coordinator there.
0: Yes, I coordinate programming.
1: And what does that look like? Like what kind of programs?
0: So right now it's kind of all encompassing, uh, the year round team there, there is, I think uh, five, six, six of us. Um, and we kind of have been working together through this time, uh, to pull off some of the events that we've had. So just this past weekend, we had, um, a Halloween village situation where, um, we had folks come and we had to you know, basically build a plan for safety um, of how to, like, move these people through all these games and activities in a way that was safe and responsible, um, which, you know, is falls under that program umbrella. I do a lot of social media stuff um, right now, but in a, in a previous life, this job would have looked more like uh, planning out uh, camp weeks and, like, just the really good fun stuff, like games and themes of uh, like a younger children's camp or something and kind of figuring out how to weave um, all the pieces of your typical summer camp with a lot of the um, more ECC specific stuff that we do, which is a lot of like self-reflection and a lot of um, greater how to be a part of a community stuff, um, which I really, really love. And uh I also do a part of my job as well is to um, lead happening weekends, which is um, typical of the Episcopal faith. I think pretty much nationally a lot of states do it, um, but they're just weekend conferences for folks in high school um, and kind of falls under that same umbrella of having fun and having a good time, but also doing a lot of self-work and figuring out, you know, that you're god's beloved and that's kind of the that's kind of our all-encompassing theme throughout all of our programming so i get to do a lot of that which is really wonderful
1: that's cool and it so it seems like you know at least the self-reflection part and the kind of spreading the message of of love self-acceptance um is kind of a part of this like journey that you're on i guess mm-hmm. you know it's it's this mantra that you're living your life by. And, you know, one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about today was the Episcopal service Corps Cause I know that you did that. And for me, I didn't even know what that was or who they are, what they do. So could you tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of how you found that?
0: Sure. Um, I actually had the same experience. I had no idea what it was um, up until like, weeks before I applied to do it. Um, <laughs> I was going to community college. Um, I had been doing that for a few years. I had left a four-year school, and I, like, really was just feeling like I didn't know what my purpose was or, like, just just felt like something wasn't right and, like, I was in a rut and I needed to do something kind of drastic. Um, both for me and because I felt like I wanted to be a part of something bigger. And camp had given that to me for a long time. But um, I had kind of moved away from it as as many folks do um, through their college years, because, you know, being a camp counselor can't last forever. Um, And so. I had been searching for for something, and I thought maybe Peace Corps or some kind of service year program, AmeriCorps City Year. I'd kind of been tossing a lot of things around. Um, And then at um, an Advent service here, actually, one of our alumni had said to me, have you ever heard of Episcopal Service Corps? And I was like, no, I have not. (laughs) Um, As is the answer for most people when you (laughs) ask that question. (laughs) Um, And I looked it up that night and I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. This is everything that I could have asked for in a program. Um, And so I applied that next week and started the process of you know you have to you have to send in your application and they offer you all these slots of different places across the country and it kind of just becomes this interview process. Its it's base uh, clientele is really like college students or just out of college um, for it to be a service year program um, as sort of a gap year in between graduation and you know going to do big people jobs. (laughs) Um, Is it?
1: Is it like directly related to the Episcopal Church? I mean, I assume it's like funded or sponsored by. It, but is it like
0: church work? It's a different state to state. Um, I see. And it depends who's running the program, and so funding can come from from different places. Some places um, have partial, and some are completely funded by their own fundraising. Um, my program, which was in Denver, Colorado, um, the director of the program, Rebecca Crumme, um, she was a priest in the diocese and actually worked in the bishop's office. So we had a lot of interconnection there um, with the bishop of Colorado and with that whole office. And so there was a lot of overlap there. Um, but some places you can have direct like jobs with the churches in the diocese, but it's not always like that. Um, so basically once you go there you get assigned um, your like work site so you're basically a full-time volunteer Um, you work like a full uh, 40 hour a week job pretty much um, as like a quote-unquote intern kind of Um, Mm -hmm. different different titles at different places and then you do aside from that you have formation work where you work on your community that you live with of all these other folks from different places. Also doing these, uh, this volunteer, these volunteer jobs at these work sites. Um, so it's, there's a lot of different pieces that go into it, but basically the, it's really about the community and how you're in a similar way to camp, like how you're bringing this core value of that, like love and acceptance and service of others out into the greater community.
1: Mm. And so during your time in Denver, what were some of the projects you worked on or some of your responsibilities?
0: Sure, so my, my work site was um, called Urban Peak uh, and it was a youth homeless shelter. And it was arguably the, one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, And I really, really loved it and found a passion for this work there. Um, And so my title there was direct care counselor. So basically I sat in the front office of the shelter and I was the first person to meet folks. Um, We served folks ages 15 to 21. um, And so they would come and sometimes stay for a night, sometimes stay for years. Um, It really depended on their situation and I had the privilege of just being with them and offering them, you know, direct care is just their like very basic needs. So like getting them clothes and getting them fed and getting them, you know, making sure they're settled in their spaces, whatever. Um, and so that was really my, my bread and butter of my Episcopal Service Corps time was being able to work at the shelter. And like, I just got a wealth of knowledge from them, from the trainings and just from being in, um, that kind of setting with social workers and caseworkers who were just really passionate about what they were doing there. So it was pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I've done a lot of work mm-hmm. with the homeless population here in Rhode Island. And it is one of the most fulfilling things that I do. It's, it's hard. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and misperception yeah. around homelessness. And I think, too, coming in, especially if you don't have a background so that kind of puts you close to that kind of experience, mm-hmm. you can come in thinking you know what's going yep. on um, and really find out that you don't know yeah. at all.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was um, a total. It was a total, like, reckoning for me of being like, wow, I really just existed in an echo chamber in my little, you know, suburban town. And I mean, and and it's not, it's it's one of those things that like, as I get older, I'm learning more and more about like, how important it is to widen your scope and to put yourself in situations that are different and might make you uncomfortable, but are for the better of you and for your community. And I don't know, I just couldn't recommend a service year enough to be that for, for people who are like me and who had been sheltered and shielded from the actual reality of what it is to exist in america um and that reality is that there are a lot of people suffering and there are a lot of marginalized communities who we turn our eyes from because it's easier than recognizing the truth of of what that the gravity of that really is
1: definitely and i think The existence of the Episcopal Service Corps and other corps, you know, you said you were considering City Year and other AmeriCorps programs, Peace Corps. These kinds of programs were put into place specifically to broaden people's horizons, to expose them to different backgrounds, communities, areas of the world. And, you know, once you have that exposure, inherently you move forward with your life and what you think and what you do and how you approach the world, just knowing that there are other experiences besides your own. Yeah. And I think, you know, over the past few years, participation in these kinds of programs has gone down and, you know, we're turning more towards trying to get paid internships right out of school or, you know, get a job somewhere in, you know, move up really fast or,
0: yeah,
1: I don't know, or even just like go straight through degree after degree after degree. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely think we have lost some of the the true benefits of service. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think about others anymore. We really just think about ourselves. Kind of yeah. sad.
0: It is sad. And, and a huge layer to that is, also like even getting, even having the opportunity to do a service year is such a privilege Um because there are some folks who have to, have to be grinding to get, you know, paid jobs and paid internships. But what is actually really wonderful about the service corps and part of the reason why I chose it is because I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> and so to do like programs like americorps which are still wonderful and great but they they cost a lot of money and you often have to do fundraising for yourself but what was really great about the episcopal service corps is that you pay for your travel like you get out there and they like i was so taken care of like i did not ever feel like i was being left out to dry in a state that i mm. never been to like far away from my family like they really there is such a huge um like focus on being sure that everyone is like good, um, which I think just kind of bleeds out into the work that you're doing, and yeah, I don't know. And I and I think too, I'm I'm also a huge proponent of don't go to school right away, because <laughs> I <Yeah. laughs> I think that so many people, a lot of my close friends and people that I've talked to, like myself included, go to school and then are like, oh, this isn't actually what I want to do at all. And then you spend all this yeah. money and have all these loans that follow you to be doing something. Either you, you follow through with it and you're doing it and you kind of hate your life or <laughs> you go mm-hmm. through all these things. And I don't know, I think doing something like a service year earlier on in your, in your adult life is like a really good stepping stone to first getting to know you. Cause I think that's huge to understand what you're going to do in your future. Um, And then just getting a good head, like developing a good headspace around like the way you move in the world and what your, what your reason is for, for doing whatever it is that you decide you want to do.
1: I totally agree. Um, you know, I did, I had some international service experiences early on in my undergraduate schooling and that it changed the whole trajectory of what I thought I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and you know I'm still now on this path of trying to work abroad in in sub-saharan Africa and I'm also a big proponent of taking time and not just going to school because you know you don't know what to do or you can't find a job, or even because you know you want to go to school, so you want to get it done as quickly as possible, I think you're right, you know, that exposure to different places and people can really help you refine what it is you want to do Mm -hmm. with life, um, instead of always questioning, and I feel like the school environment in no way replicates what happens in the real world, like... (laughs) it's just not true (laughs) you have to learn how to manage all these different aspects of your life at once um instead of just having this cute little bubble where you yeah you stress out about classes and all this stuff and you're balancing your classes with extracurriculars and athletics and things like that but it's it's not the same at all um
0: we've allowed ourselves to develop these unhealthy expectations for ourselves and for our productivity and for our, like, you know, you're at 17. They're like, okay, it's time for you to decide who you want to be when you grow up and this is it. And like, whoa, what? <laughs> when I was yeah. 17, I was making some pretty poor choices and they were just like, find the dotted line for your student loans and for your future career. And I was like, I didn't know anything else. And so that's what I did. And that's what we have all been, you know, conditioned to do. And that Mm -hmm. really just, yeah, I don't know. It it sets up these really unhealthy expectations for how your life is supposed to go. When in reality, you get out of school and you're like, oh, this is just not, (laughs) it's just never what you expect it to be. And that can be a good thing, but I think there needs to be. More training beforehand about like that's okay. It's okay that it's going to be different.
1: Totally. And then even when you're out of school and you know the job market, the opportunities that you have, you know, there's this culture around trying to make a lot of money um, to lead a comfortable life, and a lot of those jobs that are making the most money aren't really having an a positive impact on their communities mm-hmm. um, and are usually completely disconnected from the community in the area in which like the job is located. Yes. Uh, and and then other jobs that are more service oriented, like teachers or, you know, people who work at nonprofit organizations, it's like, you really have to hustle. You have to keep mm-hmm. that hustle going and you have to be passionate about it. And that's where you find the people that are the most passionate because, service-related work is what helps spread that love, you know, and to bring it back to your mantra, it's to know the impacts that I have on another person's life, even if it's just being a source of positivity for, for one minute in a day where someone is struggling, That that shows that person that they are beloved and that yeah. love exists in the world. And that shows me that I am beloved and that love exists in this world mm-hmm. and that we're all worthy of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really cool. Um, and we kind of got off on this tangent, but it's all related.
0: <laughs> yeah. I learned, um, I learned this one more thing from the tangent. Cause I think it's great. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I learned this really cool thing in one of my trainings at the Shelter Urban Peak um, that has, like, really stuck with me and that totally relates to what you just said, is that if we count a human um, as existing on this scale of, like, a point system, of, like, 100 points, 100 points means they're happy, they're living a fulfilled life, everything's good, everything's cool. Um, We're all at different, you know, scales of this point system. And... This woman in this training had said, like, I had to understand that my job, any of our jobs, is not to get somebody. If if somebody's at a 12, if I if I meet um a teenager coming into the shelter and they're at 12 points, my job is not to get them to a hundred. That is not my weight to bear. My job is to either keep them at twelve or give them one or two extra points by doing whatever it is I need to do. Like, making them laugh or giving them you know extra pairs of socks to take as they leave the door and i never see them again and i have Mm to be okay with the fact that that was my role in their life and and that's enough and i've brought that i think into you know even my day-to-day life like it's not my job to keep my friend to, to bring my friend to 100 points but if i can if i can do what i can then that has to be enough and I have to allow myself for that to be enough
1: yeah and to add a little bit to this tangent um (laughs) (laughs) you know that that 100 point system it reminds me of this this system that um you know famed psychologist Brene Brown um she talks about in her partnership with her spouse um you know some days she comes home from work and she's at 20 percent yeah And sometimes on those days, her spouse, you know, may be at 60%, but it's like, you know what? I can, I can give 20 more. Like I can be that 80% so that we can collectively be a hundred. And some days it's the other way around. And some days, even where both of them are at, like it doesn't add up to a hundred percent. And I think just accepting that reality And that we can all be in a different point in our lives, in our day, Mm -hmm. um, in our own journey of self-discovery, in our own narrative, building our story um, and recognizing that each and every other person around us that we interact with is doing the same thing. We can give and take with each other Mm -hmm. to build each other up. And it doesn't have to be, you know, one life does not have to be important than another life ever. Mm -hmm. Importance can go both ways. Giving you a piece of pie does not then mean I can't give another person a piece of pie because love is an infinite pie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love (laughs) the infinite pie. (laughs) Yeah. Um. This is really giving me life right now. I think, especially in this climate where we're at, um, we are recording this podcast pre-election. It will be released post-election, but regardless of where any of us are on this spectrum of of who to support, if we're voting at all, you know, regardless of any of it, I think what is becoming more and more lost is this recognition of humanity in each mm-hmm. other. Mm -hmm. and we're all just desperate for it
0: yeah
1: like i'm desperate for it especially in these times where we're restricted and and where we can go what we can do what we can wear who we can interact with um it's it's really important for me to recognize my own humanity and be kind to myself but it's even more important to recognize that in others and be kind to others, because that is personally how I build myself up.
0: Well, it's grace. Like that's kind of what my, my thought process has been this whole, like since March is this like idea of grace, extending grace to myself and extending grace to the people around me, because like, we just don't know. Where where anybody is at, really. Like, even people on the other side of the aisle who you don't understand their thought process or you don't understand how they can, you know, believe one way or another. Like, the reality is that there have been a billion things that have happened to them in their life that have led them to that point, and they're doing the best that they can. Like, that is the reality of the human experience is that we're all... Whether or not we believe it of one another, like, we all really are just trying to do the best that we can. And we have to extend that grace to one another. And that doesn't mean we excuse behavior and it doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be treated like crap, but it does mean that like, we have to have an understanding of one another or else what are we even doing? What are we even working towards?
1: Right. And, and, you know, kind of what you said, we may not know what's going on with that person. um, But that, again, it brings us back to the importance of service Mm -hmm. and the importance of things like you know, these service cores, because you go other places, you interact with other people, and then maybe you do have an idea of what somebody else is going through. Yeah. You know, we only ever know our own experience. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't try to Mm -hmm. know that of others. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we can talk about, you know, we kind of already talked about what you do at ECC, um, but I'm wondering if what your time in the Episcopal Service Corps, how has it helped you shape an idea of of where you want to go personally and professionally? Did, Did it change or did it help you kind of figure out? you said before you went in, you didn't know what you wanted to do. And you were kind of just like looking at any options. Did it help you it, narrow it down at all?
0: Yes. Um, so I left, um, I left that experience, the Episcopal Service Court, um, in, what was it, the summer of 2019. Um, and had just kind of Basically, just just kind of figured out, like, understood better, like who who I am and what I was really going for um, as a human. I think, um, which is pretty much all the things that we've ta- we've covered as kind of all my checkbox marks check marks in these boxes here. And I knew that I wanted to come back to Rhode Island, um, just because I don't know there was something. Um, this feeling had started before when I had decided I wanted to do the Episcopal Service Corps. I had just felt it in my gut that it was the right thing to do. Um, And I had never really felt that before in terms of, like, such a big life decision. Like, I had always asked other people's opinions or, like, really, you know, took a lot of time to try and really figure it out. But I had had this feeling, like, no, this is where you're supposed to be. That's how I felt when I chose my service site. Like, this is where you're supposed to be. Um, And so at the end of the year, when it was the down to the decision of whether I would return home or not. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be back in Rhode Island. I know that's where I'm supposed to go. Um, And so I was home for a few months and Megan called me. I think it was probably uh, almost a year ago uh, this month or or next. Um, And was like, would you be interested in taking on a role here that's more... You know, more of a serious role, like more like a full time position, um which had kind of been something I had always had in the back of my mind of like, I don't think I'm done with e c c and like I feel like there's more for me to offer there, but I didn't really know what that meant um, so when she called me, I was like, "Oh, I see everything's connecting here now I can see why I've had all these feelings, um and so as I moved into this new position, um, obviously the pandemic has changed the reality of what I expected, because I shouldn't have set that on, <laughs> expectations, because they always change. Um, <laughs> I've learned that for short. Um, but it is just sort of a re, um, affirmation of, like, I want to be working with youth. That's a for sure. Um, and I figured that out for sure when I was working at the shelter, um, and I want to, as time moves on and I become, you know, actually get to do the job here uh, with the programming that we um, used to do, uh, fingers crossed that will be sooner than later. Um, over time, I want to really focus more on, on working with marginalized communities and bring them into this community because I think it's so special and sacred what we have here and so many folks come for the first time and are like, whoa, like this was a, I wasn't expecting it to mean this much so soon. Um, and I think that comes from that idea of being beloved and treating others in that same way. And people can feel that it's like a tangible presence here, um, which is why I just can't get enough of it. I got to keep coming back. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. I want to bring that other places and I want to you know uh, give this fun lighthearted summer camp experience to other people because i think it's so valuable and i think it in the same vein of of going to being being 23 and going to a service corps year doing something scary and uncomfortable can camp can be that same experience for someone who's 9 10 11 12 and coming to an overnight camp for a week to be in a community of people that you've never met and are different from you and come from different backgrounds. And I think that's really important to have that as a, as a young kid, as a teenager and to have to learn how to be in community and how to do that in a healthy, successful way. Cause it's hard. It's hard for a week. It's hard to live with roommates that I've never met for a year, <laughs> but I think it's, it's good, important work and, uh, term. I don't know I don't know how long I'll be here in this position hopefully a while Um, but I want to continue in that same vein of like being able to really be on the same level as people and make them feel seen and known and also have fun and you know if I can get them two points further than they were when they met me that's all I really need to be doing
1: (laughs) that's awesome and do you know of other ways um, that people can serve the church? I mean, you're a young person. You went and did this core, and you're still, you know, working in some way related to the church. But mm-hmm. are there other ways that people, our age or any age, really can kind of take that leap to service?
0: Well, I think, um, the beautiful part about church and I'm sure folks have heard this like saying before is that the church isn't the building, it's the people um and I think that's just that's the thing like service doesn't have to look like pouring soup at a s at your local church's soup kitchen it can be it can be smaller, it can be larger. It can be getting involved um, in other local places or, you know, I think, I mean, the service corps. I highly recommend it, (laughs) but uh, there are other ways to do that, you know, to find time in your life to just sit with people when they need it. And, like, service can be so much more than just, like, doing a service here or working at a soup kitchen or doing like, you know, your typical ABCD of those things. Um, One of the most important things I think is just to, you know, I, I tell after this experience, I have a lot of conversations with my friends about, you know, what their experience is with um, people who are experiencing homelessness. And when you see them on the street of like Providence or like on the street corner, like, do you smile at them? They don't you don't have to give them money like it's not necessary, but to acknowledge that they are human and they're clearly in a state that what they could use is is you acknowledging them, because I think that's just a that's just a huge issue in how we treat this community um, is that we turn our eyes from them because it's mm-hmm. hard to look at them and acknowledge that this is the truth of their experience. Um, mm hmm. And I think service can be as small as that. Um, Just seeing people and acknowledging
1: their humanity.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's being a part of church communities is also really beautiful and wonderful and can come. A lot of opportunities of service can come from that, but that also can be really difficult for people. And there's a lot of trauma involved with church relationships. And, you know, I think whatever feels in your gut feels good for you to do follow that feeling because it hasn't steered me wrong yet and i think that that means something
1: <laughs> and what words of encouragement would you give someone who is considering taking that leap and doing a service year or doing something but they're afraid
0: it's good to be afraid <laughs> with, fear, <laughs> with fear i think comes vulnerability and i think you have to be vulnerable to put yourself in these situations and they're hard. Like the the reality of it is it's, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to <clears throat> put yourself in that position, but it's one of those hard things. That's a good hard. <laughs> and when right. you do it, the, you know, outcome for you, you get the, you're reaping benefits that are like tenfold more than that even. Um, and so I guess my word of encouragement would be, Wisdom. How how do I impart wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> um, Your
1: twenty four year old wisdom. my yeah, like.
0: my really <laughs> seated?
1: <laughs> You've um, earned it.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, just to get vulnerable and mm-hmm.
1: don't be afraid of that vulnerability. Know,
0: it's 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 worth it. It's worth it to put yourself out there and to do something uncomfortable and just do it with an open heart. Uh because it works (laughs) and it'll make you feel better as you as you get older and you figure out who you are and what you want to do if you move through it with an open heart and sharing that beloved idea with the people you meet like I can promise you things are gonna go your way (laughs) Hmm.
1: awesome well Faith, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We, yeah. <laughs> we really love having you. Um, and it was great for me to learn about what the Episcopal Service Corps actually is. <laughs> and to give another shout out to the Episcopal Conference Center here in Rhode Island. Um, it's a great place. And I hope we can all start gathering there in even more numbers. Um, me too. <laughs> sometime soon. <laughs> um, thanks again for being here.
0: Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology. We would like to thank our sponsor, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island, and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley. We would like to thank Mariah Aconde and Jack Zornado for the music. Taylor Wilkie and Ivy Swinsky are producers, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.